Hey guys, it's Mina. Before we get started today, I wanted to remind you to check out Swagoo and Perk, led, of course, by its namesake hosts, Marcus Spears, Swagoo, and Kendrick Perkins. New episodes every Tuesday morning, bringing listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives and career journeys with can't-miss conversations. You guys know how much I love Swagoo. It's an incredible podcast. Give it a listen wherever you get pods, and they're also available on ESPN's YouTube page. Welcome back to the Mina Kai Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts just told me organized training activities are where he learned how to sit and heal. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes, and I am super excited for this show. It's one of my favorite concepts we've done. We did it last year. Um, I guess I would describe it as help me figure out these teams because, um, you know, when you look at the the offseason and sort of NFL teams, the standings ahead of next year, there are a lot of teams you kind of sense, ah, this team's going to be good. They think they're going to be good. This is their goal for the season. And then there are teams that are kind of hard to get your arms around. And and they're not saying all these teams are like comparable in that they're like the nine and eight, eight and nines of the world, but they're just a little bit confusing. Like I just can't tell what they're going to look like this season. So uh, along those lines, I've entrusted someone much smarter than me, a longtime oh. friend of the show, the now fourth most, he just tied Bill Barnwell for fourth most appearances it is Charles McDonald. Charles, welcome back. Can't see me, but I'm fist pumping right now. Uh, and Dominique, if you're listening, I'm coming for that number one spot. Uh, that has nothing to do with me because this is your show, but Dominique, I'm coming for that number one spot. What, what, uh, thanks. Uh, I'm tentatively excited to be on here this week because uh, we'll get to I, that. I, I we'll turned get to 28 that. this week. Okay. No, 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 okay. Well, let's start with something nice. Uh, Charles has a new podcast. It's really not new. It's been like a month now, or at least four or five episodes, right? Um, called The Exempt yeah. List. I've been a guest. Charles, just kind of tell people what the pod's about before we get going. Uh, I would say if you are kind of someone who is like able to watch football, but also kind of like disgusted with yourself for like engaging with the league as much as you do, uh, this is a podcast for you. I mean, we get into a lot of like the, the nerdy stuff, uh, you know, the scheme, stat stuff. I actually just recorded an episode with Ali Connolly. Uh, nice. And that was, that was that was a really strong episode. But, like, we also interviewed Gail Bean from uh, Snowfall last week. And we talked about what it was like being, like, a black actress in Hollywood and, and getting your first start. So we're kind of all over the place. Uh, whatever, I, whatever, you know, topic that is, like, tangentially related to football that interests me is something I'm going to talk about. So... Yeah, it's kind of all over the place, but really it's for people who are disgusted with themselves for liking the NFL as much as they do, which definitely is me. Yeah, I, I would say um, if the Meaning Time show is too buttoned up for you, maybe check out the exempt <laughs> list. I don't know. No, um, I, I, it's been really great so far, uh, not just because I've been a guest. Um, but yeah, check that out. Subscribe, rate, review after you get this through this show, because I think you're going to be delighted by this show and it'll encourage you to do so. Um, Charles, I just kind of randomly came up with with your help with six teams we want to talk about. There was really no like criteria in terms of you know performance last year or future wins, but um, it, it's a lot of teams I haven't talked about like in months. So I think listeners or fans of these teams will be excited or maybe depressed after listening. Um, but the one I wanted to start with, I think, is like the 
the king of this group or the um, sort of like the platonic ideal of a confusing team right now. And that's the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so before we get going, uh, DraftKings projects the Vikings to have nine wins. So, you know, just over 500. I'm getting better at that with the uh, with the uh, 17 games. Uh, last year, the Vikings finished 12th in passing offense, 13th in passing defense, which I think might surprise some people, and then 27th in rushing offense, 25th in rushing defense. Um, you know that meme from The Office where uh, Pam looks at two photos and says they're the same picture? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I feel like that's the 2022 Vikings next to the 2021 Vikings. Like, I think part of the reason it's hard to kind of get your arms around this team is because it's hard to know what changes they've made to, to either get better or get worse. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And honestly, even last year when I was watching the Vikings, I was like, I feel like this team it should be better than they are. And they they lost, you know, a handful of one score games. If you just go back uh, through the schedule last year, overtime lost Cincinnati to start the season, one point loss to Arizona, a touchdown loss to Cleveland, four point loss to Dallas, three point loss in overtime to Baltimore. It's like, this is one of those teams where they're in it every single week, just about, uh, and they even beat the Packers, uh, you know, I, I think later in the season. So I, I don't really know like what has changed, like what, what should make you feel all that different about, this team from last year going on this year uh because it kind of seems like they're just running it back and i'm not sure that that's like the worst strategy ever or even or a great strategy it's just kind of a strategy and they're here they're existing uh and they just kind of exist on this plane like very talented but also frustrating at the same time because i think you can make the case like pretty easily if you're just looking at the name brand talent that they have on this team dalvin cook Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, uh, some guys on defense, Denny Hunter. They just added Lewis Seen in the draft. Uh, Harrison Smith is still playing pretty good football, even as he hits like the end of his career. They have pieces like to to win games, you know, to mm-hmm. to win a lot of games, and even even like push towards the playoff towards the end of the season. But there's just like something missing. I don't know. I don't know if it's Kirk Cousins himself, or maybe the depth on this team is kind of lacking over the past few years, and they've become a bit top heavy. But they, the Vikings are one team. When I look at them, I, I, they kind of remind me of like where the Falcons were prior to mm. whatever happened. Just like let's just game. keep this together. Let's keep let's extending keep, Matt Ryan. We're okay. Yeah, we got yeah. exactly. Like you, we got Matt Ryan. We got Julio. We got some other pieces, but it's like a very top-heavy roster. And I think those are the those are the teams that can be really frustrating, like as a fan and maybe as someone who's making predictions about these teams because. You know, just on the the merit of who they have in the jersey, you you can get kind of excited about this Vikings team, but they I just don't think they have the depth rounded out to really make like a serious playoff run. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is definitely a wild card team, or could be, yeah, should be. Should um, be. you know, as far as like the state of the roster and the kind of the run it back aspect of it, I mean, that die was pretty much cast when they decided to keep Kirk Cousins, right, and give him money. Right. Like, that was uh, there, that was kind of an inflection point. Okay, are we going to rip it up and move on from Cousins or try to trade him, absorb the dead money, and then just rebuild? Or are we going to stick with Cousins and then, you know, do some extensions and try to improve along the improve on the margins? I when, Once they hired Kevin O'Connell from the Rams to be their head coach, to me it seemed more likely than not that they were going to stick with Cousins. 
um, just yep. because of the kind of quarterbacks you know he's worked with, how Cousins fits into his offense. It made sense to me. Um, and I just didn't see them doing a rebuild. So I would, I would say I think that's actually part of their case for improvement is uh, the coaching staff on both sides of the football. Uh, and I'm not saying I believe this necessarily, but I think they they feel, okay, we've had this defensive-minded head coach, Mike Zimmer, for years, and um, you know the offense maybe hasn't been as good as it could be, despite the fact that we do have stars. Granted, not a good offensive line, which we can talk about. But right. now they're bringing in this like offensive coach from the McVay tree. So the feeling is like, okay, well, on that side of the ball, we could just get better just because we have a better coach, frankly, even though the talent is largely the same. And then on the other side of the football, Charles, they brought in Ed Donatel, which, um, you know, so he's a Fangio guy. And I actually yeah. think this is, there's like a little bit of a trend around the NFL where like if you look at Seattle, for example, it's obviously Pete Carroll is still the head coach, but they brought in Waldron, who is a McVay guy. And then they brought in Sean Desai. He's not the defensive coordinator. It's Clint Hurd. There's a whole group, but he's a Fangio guy. And I kind of think around the NFL, there's still like, okay, we're going to do this on both sides of the football. And that's certainly the case with Minnesota. And and defense is really where, aside from the coaching, there are some personnel changes that are interesting. I mean, you mentioned Lewis Seen. And as much as I'm I'm like, ah, the Vikings, I don't know. Cornerback depth still an issue. That, to me, was not only an excellent fit for what Donatell does, um, you know, in terms of, playing more too high and, and rotating safeties, but also like just a gr- like, I think he will provide an immediate upgrade for this defense. Yeah. I mean, I've look, I'm biased Georgia football guy on this show today, but I, I, I do really think Lewis kind of got overlooked a little bit. I yeah. think maybe his, his, his stock picked up like during the draft circuit, but just when you look at that Georgia defense last year, What's interesting is like they were built like straight down the middle, DTs, linebackers, then seen on the back end. The edge rushers weren't great. The the corner play uh, was you know pretty mid tier, but Lewis seen like he really did hold it all together uh, on the back end. And I think that when you look at what you know guys like Kirby Smart and Nick Saban are doing coverage wise uh, in college football, it really is kind of like, a, I won't say it's seamless because it's the NFL, but schematically yeah. it should be a pretty good fit for Lewisine because he's been running uh, a lot of the same stuff, at least in terms of what the safety responsibilities are going to be, uh, you know, in that like the zone match cover four defense that's kind of taken the league uh, by storm recently. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how the front plays out mm. because I mean, what they, they have, they do have some, uh, some talent in the interior with Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, and I think that if you just kind of stick him at nose, maybe you can get away with running some of the lighter boxes that they like to do. Uh, but I feel like this defense, just to get like all the personnel that they want for this, it might be a couple of years till they have it like fully formed out. So I'm more interested to see what happens with Kevin O'Connell because I, I have no idea what to expect here. Uh, like really? to me, this is just like a what? Do you, well, has he called plays ever? So coming from the McVeigh. Like he worked under Sean, Sean McVay. I think his title yeah. was offensive uh, coordinator, but you're right. Sean McVay calls the plays in Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm just saying I, I don't really know what to expect. Yeah. Cause, cause I mean, I personally, I don't think that Zach Taylor did a good job calling plays last year and the Bengals still yeah. made it to the Super Bowl. So I, uh, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, the Kevin O'Connell wild card could go either way for them. I, mm-hmm. uh, and I, to me, I think I'm just looking at this and, with the Vikings, if you can just avoid the dumb stuff like you did last year, like losing the Cooper Rush at home, that was crazy. Uh, 
Yeah. I, I don't really see why this team shouldn't be in the playoffs unless, you know, they just kind of fall to the same old Viking scrap. And, you know, they're cause it, it's the holy trinity of mess with the Falcons, the Vikings and the Chargers. They call kind of like exists on the same plane of getting close enough and never actually getting it done. Yeah, they're, that's right. And I think, you know, we Cousins will always be the potential limitation, despite the fact that he is still one a, a top half quarterback in the NFL. You know, we just, there's always the looming concern of whether or not he's going to melt down, you know, in a playoff game or in a, in a, in a big game anyway, just towards the end of the season that they need to get into the playoffs, et cetera. Um, I think like there are like, Tweaks and upgrades are just kind of captured all just tweaks and upgrades on this team, right? You get Daniel Hunter, you mentioned back, you have Zedaria Smith. I think it's an upgrade. Uh, I, we talked about Lewis Seen. Um, they did trade up for Andrew Booth Jr. I'm not sure when he's going to play, but I felt like that was a, like a panic. Oh crap. We need a cornerback move because our cornerback uh, mm-hmm. group is just horrible. But um yeah, I think it really just comes down to like, can they stay healthy? And then can those like little tweaks around the margins, get them to 10 wins, you know what I mean, instead of nine. Um, I do want to wrap by talking about the draft, though, because it was really interesting. So the the, the Vikings bring in a new GM, Kwesi Adolfo Menza, and um, he makes a few tr- trades on in the first and second rounds that I am still trying to wrap my mind around whether I think they were <laughs> good or not. I think you could argue both cases. Um, also, I think you could argue, depending on like which draft value chart you use whether or not the vikings came out on top i think most of the more advanced ones are pro vikings because of what they did although he did trade up for booth jr with the colts and i think lost some of the value there again just from a from a charting perspective but i think what's got people a little bit i think what makes this controversial is you know he traded with two division rivals lions come up for jamison williams Packers, they turn them down. And I think later they, in the second round, they uh, grab Christian Watson. Adolfo uh, Mensa says, well, yeah, like it doesn't, we won the trade. So, it, you know, we made, it's worse for them if it's a division rival. I, I can see both sides of this. I'm um, not quite there yet. I'm not quite there. So you, you're good. You're I, like, I, don't trade with a division rival. Well, not that, but if, if I'm going to get, okay, if I'm going to go, if, if I'm going to move down from 12 to 32 with a division rival, come on. Like I need a little bit more than also handing them back a second round pick in the process. And I know that, you know, with depending on whatever chart you look at, uh, the Vikings could be right on this, but I also just feel like historical precedent kind of matters here. Mm. When have we ever seen a trade like that where you're jumping down 20 spots in the first round and you give back a second round pick? Like, that's never happened that I can think of. Uh, and I, I I just find it hard for me to get to a point where, you know, you say that or, or the, you know, anyone says that they clearly won the trade because I think the player that the Lions picked to kind of matters. This is this is Jameson Williams. Like right. this is the one player that put the fear of God in the Georgia defense last year. And you're, you're you just handed him to a division rival while also giving a pick back in return. That that was kind of crazy to me when you just look at like the historical presence of moving down or moving up that far. I mean, think about the Falcons when they traded for Julio Jones, they moved up from six to 26 or from 26 to six. And they gave up like three first round picks or two first round picks for that trade. 
you're telling me you couldn't get one extra? I don't know. It just kind of seems like yeah. shaky negotiating skills to me. I think uh, it was negotiating skills. I think it was also complicated by the fact that the Vikings said, like, well, we don't need a wide receiver, right? That although God, imagine if you had Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and like a Jamison Williams. But you know, they, there's so many. I think they felt. I'm speculating here. There were so many other needs on the roster. You know, to, yeah. to trade down and then get Lewis Seen, who I thought it was a bargain at 32. You know, and then uh, they had the other cornerback. I think it, position probably played into it a little bit as well. But I, I'm just going to come down. I think this is one we're not going to really see if it works for a while. Like, or you know, this yeah. isn't, there's no clear winner winner in my mind, um, and that's kind of where I land the plane on this. So, okay, Vikings. I find myself more optimistic than when we started this conversation. Where are you at? Um, I I feel like they should they should comfortably finish second in the division. I mean, the Bears are totally unserious, and the Lions are still, uh, you know, they still got a ways to go. So, look, I f- I feel the same about the Vikings like as I do last year. Uh, if you can avoid some of the dumb losses, like don't lose to Detroit, don't lose to Cooper Rush, uh, you you probably should be able to make the playoffs. I mean, if they just if they cover those two games last year, then you're looking at a team that finishes ten and seven. And mm-hmm. I, and it's funny because like team, teams with the Viking teams like the Vikings, like these are the, always the interesting discussions to me because you get to see like how small the margins are for like a winning team and a losing team or a playoff team. And the team is picking 12. Like you're talking about four points versus Cooper Rush, two points versus Detroit, and a couple of other games where you're losing by one point in overtime. Uh, you know, you, you kind of see how slim the margins are on, on from what, uh, you know, what separates a playoff team from a team that's picking the top 10. And, uh, you know, I, I think once again, the Vikings have the potential to like have the pendulum swing either way, but they do have the top end talent where fans should be expecting a playoff berth. Yeah. I mean, on offense, they've got, as you mentioned, on defense, you know, you, from at every level, you do have talented players. Um, I would say secondary is dubious or the cornerback, but room is dubious, but it should be enough, um, especially in the NFC. A team that is projected to have eight wins in the NFC is drumroll the Washington Commanders, who I'm now calling the commuters. Um, so eight wins, generous, fair. You know, it's, yeah, it, it's funny because I was I was I was watching. A, no, I was thinking I was, I was scrolling through Twitter earlier today, and I didn't realize that Ron Rivera had signed both Andrew Norwell and Tri Turner. I'm like, you're just he's got Curtis Samuel on the roster. I'm like, damn, bro, you're just running it right back. He really you know, is, yeah. Comf- just comfortable in the in the middle lane on cruise control. That's Ron Rivera. Uh, my question for the Commanders: How much better is Carson Wentz than Tyler Heineke? That's ultimately. I, and I, I do think Carson Wentz is better, but is it better in a way that like really changes your fortunes for the season? And to me, I don't know. I, I, I'm not excited about this team. Uh, it, it just seems like the most middle of the road team that you can put together. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really understand what there is to get excited about here. I do expect them to score more points though, because their point differential last year was was pretty bad. I think they were like over like about minus 100 in point differential. So let me make the optimist case for the offense. We'll get to the defense in a second. This is an offense that was just, you know, terrible last year. Um, not yeah. just because of, you know, yeah, so Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt immediately. Taylor Heineke is the quarterback all season. But also, like, outside of Terry McLaurin, there was nothing, pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, Curtis Samuel had a horrible year, some injuries. There was actually a lot of guys were banged up. Um, Diami Brown didn't really pan out the way you would hope. Um, so... 
they did make some additions. You know, they spent their first round pick. They traded down. And they from the Kyle Hamilton spot, which I was not a fan of that trade. I feel like this is a team that could yeah. really use Kyle Hamilton. Whatever. They take Jahan Dotson, rich pick at 16, player that I love, player that is very used to catching terrible passes. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, and then suddenly, you know, you got like a nice little group, right? With McLaurin, yeah. Dotson, if Samuel comes back, if Brown turns into something. They also have Dax Milne could be like a kind of fun slot receiver for them out of BYU. Um, and I think, and then the offensive line is like decent. They've been decent. Like this is a, not a bad offensive line at all. Yeah, um, it's not. So, but then you got Wentz. So I think like the optimist case is that like Wentz is kind of like what they wanted Brian Fitzpatrick to be, you know, high variance can, I mean, he can certainly push the ball downfield more than Heineke. Um, and, you know, you take some of the interceptions and mental mistakes with the hope of a more explosive offense. I think it just comes down to how many of those mistakes happen. Yeah. I, now I'm looking at, like, the, the depth chart they have. It's not a bad group on offense. Um, see, this is one of those teams where I don't think you're, like, afraid to play them, but you're not also, like, looking forward to playing them either. Because if Wentz can hold it together – I do think they have like the supporting cast to support yeah, a pretty solid offense. A- again, this is assuming that like Curtis Samuel can stay on the field and Tri Turner can stay healthy, uh, and you know you don't have any injuries to to anyone else. Like, I-, I think just in the vacuum, it's not a bad group of guys. I I just don't know if I at, at this point how much I trust Carson Wentz. I- mm-hmm. Even though you know I do feel last year. <laughs> it- it- the season ended so poorly for Indianapolis. I understand like why Jim Irsay is going scorch earth uh, against Carson Wentz and talking about how like Matt Ryan is the greatest thing since sliced bread. But I don't think that Carson Wentz was like the worst quarterback ever last year. Cause mm. the, even the other day they had NFL network was replaying the Ravens Colts game from last season where Lamar just kind of blacked out towards the end of the game. But even before that, Wentz put up a really strong game before that. Uh, and yeah. I, I, I think sometimes we forget that he is someone that is like capable of attaining those highs it's just, you know, what are you going to get in between when he's not hitting those throws like that? So the offense to me is just like, how far can Wentz carry them in terms of just putting together competent quarterback play? Uh, and on defense, man, I I don't really understand why you brought back Jack Del Rio. That kind of made no sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like he's, he's kind of struggling to get accustomed to the modern NFL. And when you look at some of the guys they have in the front, it's not like this is like the most – you know, the defense that's lacking a whole lot of talent. I mean, their defensive line is still, I think, one of the most talented units in the league, even if Chase Young has been, like, somewhat of a disappointment, and we'll see what happens with uh, him coming off that ACL injury. Uh, but I, I think the point that you made about Kyle Hamilton, he 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 really could have been used on this defense. Like, yeah. <laughs> really, really could have been used on this defense because I think that the secondary in the back end is still a major, major danger zone for them. So I want to say one thing quickly about Wentz before we move to the defense, but I actually think they're related. If Wentz had signed the Fitzpatrick deal, right, if they were just bringing him in for nothing and like $10 million, I, I think we'd all feel really differently about it. Like, I think there'd be more like, ah, eh, sure, let's see how it goes. Kind of the same way we were with Ryan Fitzpatrick, not necessarily like true believers, but I think the fact that, you know, it is that $28 million hit and that they gave up the draft picks, that's really kind of like not only – coloring our perceptions of you know this team and their decision making but also affected the roster construction because when you look at this defense 
there are some positions that I feel like they could have addressed in free agency. Um, Linebacker really jumps out as the biggest weakness. Obviously, the front four is excellent, although I think this might be the last season we see them all together because, you know, they spend all those first-round draft picks. Someone's got to go, probably Deron Payne, who's still, like, a very good player. But behind them, you've got Cole Holcomb, And then I guess, you know, so Jamin Davis was their first round draft pick last year. That was pretty disappointing for them. So, like, they're really counting on him taking a step forward. Not a lot of depth behind them. And then in the secondary, you talked about Kyle Hamilton. Um, You know, I thought this team was going to be, this defense was going to be so much better than they were last year. And I think to your point about Del Rio, like, they bring in William Jackson III, who's a man corner. They still play a ton of zone. I think. They're probably like a top five zone team in the NFL. Um, don't have it in front of me. But, you know, it, it just wasn't a f- – yeah, actually, it is fifth most. Okay. It just wasn't a fit, you know? And it felt like they were kind of moving the cornerbacks around and they had a rookie in St. Juice. Day. Yeah, I feel like I was saying his name wrong. St. Juice. And, you know, Kendall Fuller is decent. But, like, they just didn't have enough guys and they never found out – they never figured out how to use him. I mean, how many times in the beginning – they figured it out towards the end of the season, I want to say, by the way. But how many times in the first half of the season did the defense just look like they had no idea what the hell was going on, the secondary? Oh, all, all the time. And it, to me, it, it kind of felt like almost it, – it, it was like the, the the coach who's kind of been sitting around too long with mm-hmm. Jack Lurio. Like, I, I don't know if the game has, like, passed him by or whatever, but uh, I, I don't think that, like, the quality of the talent they have on defense quite matched the results. Yeah, that they got last year. Like I, 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 I think that they should be getting a little bit more out of the players they have because even if we talk about the secondary being a, a, a area of concern, it's not like this is the worst group in the league. Um, they, they've got some guys that have been talented at, at, at different uh, spots across the league, but we're not talking about a, a team. I mean, to, to, to me at least, that's going to finish like thirty second in in pass defense. Uh, that that is one area I think that they really need to try to figure out how to squeeze more from, whether it's schematically, whether it's moving guys to like different positions and trying to figure out what fits. But uh, the defense, y- you got to get more out of that, especially with a front line that features four first round picks. Uh, and we'll see what happens with Chase Young coming back from that ACL injury. But we know at least like Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Montez Sweat are good players. Like you should be able to get more out of that defense than they got last year. Did, was it Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen who got in a fight last year? <laughs> uh, no, it was Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Uh, Deron Payne, okay. Wow. Allen, yeah, because I only remember that because like two days ago, Jonathan Allen tweeted that he and Deron Payne are still like best friends. <laughs> that, that's what it felt like to me. Everyone was like, these guys know each other. Everybody just chill out. All right. Yeah, it um, So the optimist case for Washington, I would say, is that we get the Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz makes a... Um, I would, uh, you know, a meager amount of mistakes kind of delivers in the Fitzpatrick way that they had hoped that the wide receiver core looks a lot better, which I think is entirely possible. And then on defense, some of these young players in the secondary, Jamin Davis. um, Oh, you didn't mention Cam Curl, who's like their best player in the secondary. Incredible graphic. Yeah, some of these other guys step up. So, okay, this is a very different team. Let me start with this. Do you think the Titans win the division? No. Colts. I think the Colts do. Titans are projected at nine wins. That feels right. Yeah, that feels about right to me. And honestly, I like the I, – I thought the Titans offseason had a really strong level of self-awareness. Yeah. Uh, 
because when you get to that number one seed, and I know they kind of limp to the finish there. Uh, I think they finished like 12 and five or something like that, got the number one seed in the AFC. I don't think anyone thought that they were like the, your typical number one seed, like level of power. Um, and I, I, I think just from like reading their, their moves, uh, through the off season, I don't know how much they expected like to get back there, uh, this season. Like, obviously the goal is to win, but they kind of hit like a soft reset button, uh, this off season with, you you decided you're not going to pay AJ Brown. So you trade him away, take Trillon Burks and then move back up from Malik Willis. So there's a, 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 a clear plan, at least to me, like they're starting to plan a little bit for the future. And I think that that's smart because, you know, you don't want to be one of these teams that's like, oh man, we, if we, if, since we got to the AFC, uh, the number one he's seen in the AFC last year, we can definitely do it again this year. Because yeah. I think that we see teams get in that trap all the time mm. where they do a really poor job of self scouting and actually, you know, being honest with themselves about what the faults are in this team and how correctable those faults are for sustainable winning moving forward. And I, I thought the Titans, they they hit the reset button at the right time. Uh, it's not a full reset. Yeah. You're still getting some talented players. You still have, you know, core piece of your offense with Derrick Henry. But, hey, he, you got Ryan Tannehill throwing now to a rookie and, you know, who I guess whoever pops up across from him uh, once we get to you know, week one. So it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I think nine wins sounds about appropriate for where they should be. Uh, but I think they've clearly got, you know, at, at least they're they're peaking towards the future a little bit. This is the perfect, hey, guys, the cap is real team. I just want to throw that yeah. out. Um, you know, they played obviously a huge part in the A.J. Brown trade, which was objectively incredibly depressing for Titans fans, I imagine. Um, but when you look at the cap, you know, Fitzpatrick's $38 million this year, then they can kind of move on. Uh, Bud Dupree comes in at 19 million, and that's a contract that nobody probably feels very good about. Derrick Henry is third on the team with 15 million. You got dead dead money for Julio Jones, so that factors into a lot of things that they've had to do. And why, as you just described, they're retooling, I would say, or re- resetting. I don't know. There's all the different. It's it's sort of like an on the fly rebuild, I would say. Um, yeah, which is good. Like it, they're it's it's good. I mean. It's a good rebuild. I, I, because I, I, I think as I've gotten older, I don't like the teams like well, we're just going to punt a season. Not at least, at least try a little. They're going to be. Know? I mean, they should be fun. You know. So you know, what I came yeah. away with after looking at kind of all the additions in the depth chart. I think this defense is going to be really good. I'm actually yeah. pretty. I mean, they were good. So the defense was better than the offense last year, um, and certainly we saw that, of course, in the final playoff game. Like, I, I just want to like. Guys, they sacked Joe Burrow nine freaking times. They picked him off, and they still lost. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, really good. One of really the, good. probably one of the best defensive players in the NFL right now. Um, the defensive front, like I know, Land Dupree was disappointing, and in, in certainly the contract didn't live up to the contract. But I still think he's a decent player. He was coming off an injury last year, so I wouldn't be surprised if he bounced back this season. And then they've managed to find like good young talent, whether it's David Long at linebacker, Christian Fulton, who kind of came on uh, at corner. Of course, the safety duo is one of the better in the NFL. And then, um, you know, I think this is a group where I really believe some of these young cornerbacks could continue to develop. Like, um, you know, we talked about Fulton, Elijah Molden, I thought had some good moments in the slot. Mm-hmm. Caleb Farley, finally healthy, one hopes. And then they drafted Roger McCreary, who 
yes, is known for his T-Rex arms, but like that dude held up against SEC wide receivers very well. So like, I like this group. I, I think the Titans defense like is a big part of the reason why, despite the loss of AJ Brown and, you know, anyone who's, I mean, I don't expect Traylon Burks to come in and be AJ Brown by any means, but I think this defense is going to be strong. Yeah, and I, I I just like the strategy of we're just going to keep throwing darts at DB until yeah. someone's someone's got to hit. Yeah, <laughs> someone's got to hit. Um, and you know, I'm I'm still in on Caleb Farley. I, I really hope that he can uh, stay healthy because I think when you just look at the talent, man, like going back to the Virginia Tech, it's it's some like the most fluid cornerback stuff you'll see. But his back was just all messed up. Very relatable. Uh, but I, you know, I, I look at the Titans. This is going to be one one team that I am keyed in on during the preseason because this this just seems like a lot of fun uh obviously malik wills is going to get a lot of reps uh we just talked about mccreary and burks and then even then they got hassan haskins the uh the running back from michigan who had some nice games whenever i watched him play so you know i i i, I like the idea of kind of rebuilding on the fly you know ryan Tannehill's probably not going to be there that much longer past this year um it's time to start looking towards the future and i think they 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 did it at the right time I, I, obviously losing someone like aj brown really really hurts uh just because of the talent that he is but hey if you decided if you have come to the decision as an organization that you're not going to pay him what he's asking for and if you know based on the report from our pal teron davenport not even close to asking what yeah, uh right. not even close to getting him what he was asking for uh you know ship him off to philly ship him off to someone who will pay and then try to find his replacement in the first round and i think i think once you commit to the aj brown trade it's like all right let's see if we can find a quarterback you got malik willis who you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of, but I think to get a prospect with his potential at what the 86 overall pick, I think you got to try to do that just about every time. Mm, yeah. And I think by the way, just one more thing on Titans. I think you and I, maybe I'm wrong, are higher on Traylon Burks than a lot of people. Like, I, I people really turned on him as a prospect. Um, you know, part it was after the, the combine, I think, when people started to you get know, it. No, it was the combine. And then some people watched and they were like, how many routes does he really run and stuff like that? But like, I just don't know how you can't watch that tape and see the athleticism, the versatility, um, you know, how good he is after the catch and not get at least excited right. about what he's capable of. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I was, I mean, uh, the combine is a little bit concerning just because I look at it more like, all right, I've seen you run past Alabama and yeah. Georgia defenders on tape. What, what's the deal? Why aren't you running a little bit faster than that? But like, I've seen him be good on tape and I, I, I do think that, you know, there's a role for him early on to just be like, if can you be this bully receiver that can turn mm-hmm. short stuff into yards after the catch while we develop out the rest of your game? That's something he should be good at, like right away. So uh, I'm I'm excited for him. He's he's going to see a lot of targets. <laughs> he's going to see a lot yeah, of targets this season. Yeah, uh, because you know Julio's gone too, so it, it's going to be a little trial by fire. But I I think that in the long run this will be good for him, and I think he's a pretty exciting talent. All right, let's take a quick break and talk about another AFC team uh, with a rich history of making the playoffs. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you 
to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Show. M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, we're back. And I feel like most people guessed what where we're going here. Well, I guess actually you could have guessed Patriots there. We're not talking about the Patriots. We're talking about the Steelers. Um, oh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, <laughs> Pittsburgh. Offense can't be worse. But that, I'm going to start there. Positivity. Offense cannot be worse, right? Yeah, I mean, by the end of the season, I think Big Ben had like multiple games where he's averaging under three yards in attempts. So if Kenny can't clear that, they should get rid of him after this season, you know? Let me pull up the Steelers schedule because I want to I wanna try to predict when – yeah, right. We'll talk about Canada in a second. Okay. I want to predict – I'm, I'm saying right now, let's say assume Mitch Trubisky starts. Okay, so here's the schedule. Bengals. Trubisky, Patriots, Trubisky, Browns, Trubisky, Jets. Here comes Kenny Pickett. How do we feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> to save the day. Yeah, I. Okay, but my thing is like, <laughs> if Kenny Pickett, what, what he's about to he's about certain twenty four, right? Yeah. I mean, why not just start in week one? What it, it, I would do that too. If, I, if, I was if Kenny Pickett to be can't beat simple. out Mitch Trubisky, wouldn't you be a little concerned? People keep saying they're similar. I think just because is it is not. But I also think because like anyone who can like, I don't know, run 40 yards compared to Ben Roethlisberger probably has some similarity. I think this is like kind of more of like a relative thing. Um, I, I think they should start Kenny Pickett and just, you know, you're right. That's a great point. Like he's not Malik Willis. You know, he's not Sam Howell. He sh- you, you, you drafted him. Because you felt he was pro-ready. I think a big part of the reason why Pittsburgh went for him, that was their perception. Um, I I think there's things that he can do well in this offense, and then there's things that are going to cause problems. So, you know, I've talked a lot about how Kenny Pickett holds on to the ball like ungodly long, which is obviously Ben Roethlisberger was getting that ball fat. Like, I think probably the fastest in NFL history. It was pew, 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 it was coming out. That's not happening with Ken, uh, with Pickett, in part because... Um, I think there's some issues with his ability to manage pressure and his pocket manage. But I also think 
Um, and then at times intermittent processing stuff comes up, but also that number is, uh, inflated the time to throw by the fact that he was like, you know, trying to make plays a lot, um, which I think is going to be integral because this offensive line still bad. Not good. Not good. Very bad. Very bad. Yeah. I I just find it funny, man. I, I, I just find it funny. Like, all right, we got Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, the nasty guy in Cleveland, Coming up with Kenny Pickett, like really, I don't know. It's just it doesn't seem that exciting to me. Um, but uh, but this is the Steelers. Like they always figure out some way to just scrape by. And like we started off with, there's almost no way that this team is like as bad as they were throwing the ball last season. Uh, I was just looking at Ben Roethlisberger's game log from the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> it's not very pretty. So he had a. He had, you know, in a win over the Cleveland Browns, he had 24 completions, 46 attempts, just 123 yards for 2.7 yards per attempt. Uh, he averaged 4.5 yard, 4.5 yards per attempt the week before. Like, mm-hmm. based on the last thing that we've seen out of the Pittsburgh Steelers passing game, Kenny Pickett has a very, very low bar to clear to get yes. Steelers fans uh, excited. And honestly, like, they were a fringe playoff team uh Last year with Ben Roethlisberger, I yes. know they won uh, a handful of one-score games. Maybe that reversed itself with uh, maybe someone who's a little bit less experienced under center. But, uh, man, I would be really surprised if Kenny Pickett has, like, basically as bad as a season that uh, Ben Roethlisberger did. Because I know Ben Roethlisberger didn't throw a whole lot of interceptions, but his QBR for the season was 35.8. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not very good. And his last game – against the, the Chiefs, he averaged under five yards per pass attempt again. So he, all you have to do is just, like, be able to throw – if like if you can average more attempts, more yards per pass than Najee Harris's per carry, then you've basically done more than Ben Roethlisberger did towards the end of the season uh, last year. And I think if you're Kenny Pickett, that should be an attainable goal to have. And when you talk about some of the stuff that he can do with his legs, like, it's not – it's a better situation than they were last year. I guess my concern is more long-term. Like, what's yeah. the actual scene on this? What, it, 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 is this really going to be the guy that can catch up with, like, three MVP-quality quarterbacks in your own division? Uh, that's just kind of where you lost me. I probably would have gone after, like, Malik Willis. Like, if, if I'm going to if I'm gonna have to get a quarterback t- this year, why not just take the dice roll, you know, and just see what, uh, see what Willis turns out to be? Because I just – I don't – view the ceiling on this Kenny Pickett thing to be all that high. But hey, you're walking to an offense that has Najee Harris, uh, a handful of talented receivers. Dude, I, got Mike there, Thomas in the head coach. Can I interrupt you? This receiver group I think could be amazing. I I think it could be really good. Like maybe amazing is a little strong, but like Deontay Johnson, aside from the I, I feel like because of the drops, he's like extremely underrated across the league yes. uh, because of, he's just such a good route runner. Um and he's so good at getting open. So you got him. Uh, of course, you got Chase Claypool, who I know has been somewhat disappointing. But I actually think the George Pickens selection, which I absolutely adored, could benefit from benefit Claypool because, you know, I'd rather see Claypool in the slot more candidly. And George Pickens to me is more of like that true outside receiver. You got Calvin yeah. Austin, who's the speedster you drafted. Um, it's just like. Matt Canada has a really nice group of pass catchers to play with. And of course, got a good tight end in Fryermuth. And then now he's got a quarterback who 
We'll execute play action. We'll roll out. <laughs> we'll do all the things. I has imagine. To roll out sometimes. Yeah, it has to. I know. Pittsburgh fans like really hate Matt Canada, and I'm just like, what? What the hell was he supposed to do, man? I mean, this yeah. offense, like, I, 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 I'm not the biggest Matt Canada guy, but at the same time, what's what, what's anyone going to do with this like level of offensive line talent? Defenses were like, do, you know, you talk about like defenses not respecting the deep ball. Um, safeties were just like playing so close by the end that it made it harder to run. And then of course the run blocking was horrible Poor Najee Harris. So I think the offense is going to be better. The one thing I, I do have some concerns about though, is the defense um, taking a step back. So largely the same. I think you got some good things happening uh, to it and Tyson Alualu potentially coming back. I think that was a big part of the reason why the run defense struggled so much. Obviously, you got Cam Hayward and TJ Watt, two all-world defenders in the front. Um, they brought on Miles Jack. I think that could help a little bit at linebacker. Devin Bush is still unsigned, right, by the way? I think so. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, brought back Terrell Edmonds, DeMonte Casey, Levi Wallace. No, no Steve- Devin Bush is on. Devin Bush is on the he's on the Steelers, but they declined his option. That's what it was. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought he they cut him. That, but you're right. That doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. So they, then they brought back, uh, yeah, like, uh, and then they signed Levi Wallace, who was like a very decent number two. Here's my problem. It's just like a lot of number two guys. Obviously, outside of Hayward and Watt in the D line, setting aside the D line. But like when you look at the linebacker group, and then behind them, it's like, uh, who are the stars here? You know, like, yeah, uh, eh. yeah. I, I I'm kind of believer in like a Miles Jack, uh, you know, coming back to life here. I see in that, Pittsburgh. yeah. Uh, I I I have to believe that Micah Fitzpatrick is going to put together a better season than he did last season, just because yeah, you know, I, I think he was maybe a little bit all over the place, but just what we know about him throughout his career, I I, I tend to believe he's a much better player than like what he showed for a good bit of last That's season. True. So you know, I. I think maybe that's could be a bounce back spot for them. I did like the Levi, Levi Wallace signing, uh, but in in he's good. But in 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 total, I don't know. It's missing some some juice in the back end, and I I think maybe even that's kind of where you get into the, the problems with Minka because he has to put out so many fires from everyone yeah. else. Uh, Levi Wallace is going to help, but you know I I would I would think that we're going to see Minka play at least closer to like an above, above average safety on the regular, which is obviously. Uh, a huge help because uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's the one that makes like the calls for the defense. Where's the green dot? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm still a believer in Minka. I I I just don't really know what else to get excited about in the secondary outside of Levi Wallace because you know and even Levi Wallace like we saw in Buffalo he works really really well when there's a Tre'Davious White across yeah. the room. Don't know how that works out uh, when he has to be the number one guy, which I think like. When you look at the rest of these cornerbacks, he absolutely is. Yeah, I, I obviously should have mentioned that Mika has superstar potential. Um, but like, as you said, there were some issues last year. And then, of course, you got Terrell Austin, who was coaching the DBs now as a coordinator. We'll see if that changes anything. I mean, Mike Tomlin, you know, kind of runs the show there. Um, but yeah, I, I think in total, like, because the quarterback play was so bad this last year, this is a team that has a good shot of me. I mean, it's AFC, so it's tough making the playoffs. But um, my question is kind of like, where's the ceiling with these quarterbacks? 
Um, okay, yeah. so, so you you brought up this this one. This is this is the team that has the lowest win projection of any of the ones we talked about. It's Carolina. Um, I think you brought it up just because you have no idea what the hell they're doing more so than like you have uncertainty about how well they'll how good they'll be. Is that correct? It's so stinky. The vibes are terrible in Carolina. I'm in Charlotte right now. The vibes are not good around this team. People, people, people hate Matt Rule. Like he wore out his welcome so fast here. Mm. Uh, And I I think what's interesting about the Carolina Panthers, and I say interesting in like the most cynical way, the most cynical interpretation of that word possible. How in the world are you right back where you started? Like literally right back where you started the point where Cam Newton was just on the team this last season. He's gone, and I don't know. It feels like you've done a total 360, but somehow you're in a worse spot than you were before. I mean, they didn't even have the the assets really to upgrade their quarterback position uh, because they what they had they had the first the sixth overall pick where they took Icky, uh, and then they had to trade back into the third round. Like the next pick wasn't until the third round where they were able to get Matt Corral. Uh, Matt Corral and Sam Darnold, like that's the best you got after what happened last season. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't understand the lack of urgency when it comes to building or comes comes to getting a quarterback. Because one thing that David Tepper has like made abundantly clear since he bought the team was that you know he basically wants a new quarterback, so he has an easier time getting a new stadium and getting people to come out to the new stadium, support the new stadium. Why would anyone support a new stadium for a team that's not going to win anything this year? Mm. I. It, it, it's just really baffling that you know they have decided to take this approach and really just kind of spin around in no man's land because you, you know I, I i can't think of a team in the nfl right now that is as directionless as the panthers which is what makes them so interesting to me because there, there's no from the the day matt rule got here there's no cohesion from year to year or even just like a solid thought out plan on how are we going to get this team back in the playoff contention and like i said now you're in a much worse spot than you had than you were before you got this job because i don't know what to expect that of christian mccaffrey robbie anderson's a no show at otas but he's probably someone that should definitely be uh at otas uh the defense i think you know it's good but it might be a bit much to be expecting them to repeat that performance last year especially mm-hmm. without guys like stefan gilmore even they're going to get jc horn back uh I just see a, a lot of questions and I see a lot of questions that quite frankly could have been answered over the past two years and they haven't really attempted to do any of that. So here's what's perplexing about Carolina. If they did not have Matt Rule right now, if David Tepper had not shown, demonstrated such um, desperation, I think, when it comes to the quarterback position, you know, over the last few years, it let's say they brought in like a new established coach and they're like hey like this year and they're like we're rebuilding i think we would like them because i like in the draft instead of reaching at pick six for you know pick it or whatever they took icky Aquanu. they finally yeah. have a left tackle they've made like some pretty decent margins around the edges of the roster bringing in bradley bozeman and austin corbin like suddenly this could be a competent offensive line they gave uh, DJ Moore a four-year contract. Um, so, like, you know, if we were like, all right, this is a crappy team, but they're, like, fix- finally fixing the offensive line and, you know, making some young additions, I think we would all be like, 
okay, cool. Like you're doing it. But the problem is nobody believes that because of the quarterback stuff and because of like, and because Matt rule is so clearly on the hot seat. Although maybe they don't care. And like, maybe they're just like, yeah, yeah, you're done. So we're, we don't, we're not going to give you a quarterback. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like maybe Scott Fitter and, and who's a GM and David Tepper are like, yeah, yeah, you're going to suck, but we're going to get <laughs> good players and rebuild for next year. I mean, if that was the case, Charles, like, would you feel better about them? Oh, yeah. I, w- I would feel better about them if they weren't entering year three of this. Yeah. And the fact that you're entering year three and, like I said, like, you've hit the – you've you've done a circle pretty much of from where you started to where you're at now. I I I, I just find it baffling. Like, how how is this possible? Like, I, I, I guess it'd be interesting to kind of go back over the past few years and just look at the roster moves that have kind of flunked out for them. I, I think the starting point is – you know, the trick of signing Teddy Bridgewater at the start of this. And, you know, the Teddy, I, I don't remember, I was talking to someone about this on the example list. Uh, I forget who said it, but Teddy Bridgewater on a value contract, one of those dangerous things in the NFL, because you can trick yourself into thinking that, hey, uh-huh. maybe there's a couple games where he looks all right and he can be the starting quarterback. And then you get to the end of the season and you're six and 11. Uh, so I look, I, and I, I think we all knew at the start of that, that team was in such disarray that it probably would have been better just to strip it down and start over, but they decided to compete. They went in, I think, the wrong manner of trying to put together a competing team. And I think they're still kind of feeling the effects of that, uh, you know, a couple years later. Yeah. Uh, I, I I just find, I think the most baffling part to me is the quarterback situation. I I don't know how you can end the season the way Sam Darnold did. I mean, he got benched for Cam Newton and Cam Newton wasn't bad. He, I mean, Cam Newton was terrible. And then Sam came back in and all you did was add Matt Corral. Like, I, I, I really don't understand the thought process there. So like I, the defense was average last year. They, they went, they started off with like a really hot start. Right. And then struggled a bit down the stretch. Um, I think this is another thing we kind of get frustrated because, you know, they bring in Stefan Gilmore for some reason, but it's just for like eight games. they, Sign Hassan Reddick, but it's only to a one-year deal, and then he's good and he's gone. Yeah, so like, there's been these kind of like, let's get better moves, but again, they're not a great team. I think what you'd be hoping for as a Panthers fan is just continued development from young players. Like Reddick's gone, you need someone to take a little bit of the heat off of Brian Burns, so you need Yetter Grossmatos to really get better, and he's been in the NFL for like a few years now, right? Um, you need Jeremy Chin, who's kind of been used different ways to fully emerge as one of the starting safeties. Um, and then you need JC Horn, who looked really good, I thought, last year before he got hurt, by the way, to come back and be CB1. I think some of the things I just mentioned are totally plausible. It's just like, very plausible. you know, you just need that to happen. So I don't know. I think the defense could still, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the defense actually still finishes kind of like around the middle. Um, but the offense stuff scene it's a really tough it's not good it's not it's it's not good stuff and it's baffling that your quarterback situation is this bad when we all knew it was this bad just like a couple months ago so let's wrap talk by talking about a team with a established quarterback albeit one who's not at OTs and who's angling for a new contract kyler murray what's kyler murray's nickname or middle name i i like to sometimes say their middle names but i don't i don't actually know Okay, Kyler Cole Murray. That feels right for someone who's 24. I'm going to throw this out. You're going to be wrong when he's like 44? You know, Ky- <laughs> Kyler Cole. Doesn't it just feel like a Zoomer name? Okay. 
Yeah, it does. I feel like everybody is suddenly forgetting how awesome he was last year before he got hurt. Yeah. Am I cra- I feel yeah. like I'm taking crazy pills. Like we were doing um I was looking at some of his numbers when we did the QB draft and we were talking about him on NFL Live and I was going back and through some of the games and some of my notes from the games and like the dude freaking shredded. And not only did he shred, he took a bunch of leaps forward. Um you know, from the prior two seasons. So I, I was looking at the PFF QB manual, which has some like good data on this stuff. You know, they'll go back and look at the three seasons. Okay, so like just for example, his expected points added per play when he's clean have jumped every season. His passer rating when kept clean has jumped every season. Um, his ability to get the ball out in 2.5 seconds or less productively, again, huge jump last year. His EPA per play when blitz climbed to 0.24, which is amazing. The NFL average is zero. His sack rate dropped. His interception rate dropped. He was incredible. Why is everybody shitting on him now? Maybe not I don't know. Am I doing a straw man thing? No, it's, I hate straw men. It, it, it's a little bit of a straw man. Maybe the last part. But I do think, I mean, I got asked on the radio a few weeks ago. Do you think the Cardinals should pay Kyle Murray? What do you mean? What? Of course they should. <laughs> like, why, what? why are you even asking me that? And we've we've seen, it's not just like it's a game here or there where we've seen Kyle play well. Like, he's put up legit, like, eight-game stretches of MVP caliber yes. quarterback play. Uh, but for some reason, and honestly, I put this more on Cliff, the fact that they just fall apart in the back half of the season every year and just kind of limp into the playoffs – uh, you know, I was I, literally just like an hour ago, I talked to Ali Conley about this and, you know, his assessment of it was that Cliff had just become kind of stale towards the end of the season. And, you know, usually you see teams <laughs> where, you know, you start off in the, like the preseason and the first few weeks of the season and your playbooks, you know, you're not trying to show too much. And then as the end of the season goes on and the game become more dire, you really start to expand it. Once you hit the playoffs, obviously, like you're throwing the whole book at uh, whatever defense you're playing against. But the Cardinals, like, <laughs> kind of do it in reverse, like where they're running really cool, creative stuff at the start of the season. And by the end of it, it's just like, all right, we got 10 plays. Let's just try to get to the end of the game. Uh, and it's just, it, it's really bizarre that they choose to handle their offense like that. Or maybe it's just like Cliff is just normal like us. He just kind of gets burnt out halfway through the year. And it's just like, oh, I'm just trying to get to the holidays, man. Uh, mm. that, that maybe, maybe that's it, but I really don't understand why there's always such a sharp drop off with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals offense for the second half of the season, because we know that these are verifiably good players with a bona fide franchise quarterback who looks like he's going to play in the NFL for a really, really long time. So I, I, I think that that's just one area that they need to figure out for themselves. And it, well, I think it's been the case for like two seasons now where, they just look like crap towards the end of the year. But, you know, this is a, the same team last year that beat the 49ers on the road with Colt McCoy, at quarterback. It, it's kind of hard for me to parse like that versus what we see yeah. in the Rams playoff game at the end of the year where they can't do <sighs> anything. Just getting straight blood well, with every single drop. First of all, I just Googled Kyler Murray to see if anything was up with OTAs. And the first headline that came up was from Bleacher Report. Cardinals should make Kyler Murray earn his mega deal on the field this season. So, not it's not a strong um okay wait wait so um you know you talked about the how they fall apart in the playoffs i mean his passer rating to deandre hopkins when he throws to hop is 141.4 no other receiver tops 
110. I mean, this is going to be a rough start or a challenging start because, like, to me, if Cliff Kingsbury cannot figure out a way to diversify and adapt this offense without with Hollywood Brown, with Trey McBride, who was the tight end they drafted in the second round, a lot who felt was the best tight end in the draft, um, he shouldn't be the head coach. Like, this is your job, right? Like, figure it out because your personnel has dramatically changed. You got to figure out a way to use Rondale more. That's not la- what they did last year, um, which was annoying. Um, you know, he's not just a gadget guy and a screen guy and a flat route guy. Like, like you got to figure this shit out. And, yeah. you know, some of that is obviously on Kyler. He's got to make plays and, like, find ways to get the ball to those guys. But, like, to me, like what we talked about at the end of last season – that's the beginning of this year without DeAndre Hopkins, who, if you guys don't know, is suspended for six games for PEDs. So, this oh, like that reminds me. Yeah, Kyler Murray, Rondell Moore, Marquise Brown, funniest passing game trio ever. Funniest or tiniest? Both. How how let me how much is Marquise Brown? Thing. Well, Marquise Brown isn't that short, is he? No, he's yeah, but he looks. He's five nine. Marquise Brown is five nine. Yeah, but he can't fill out a jersey, so it looks smaller. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a real small group of guys. I just looked up Kyler Murray's stats from the first eight games last season. He's completing about seventy three percent of his passes at nine yards an attempt, which is absurd. And what well, I guess, and and that includes the game against Green Bay where he didn't play all that well right before he got hurt. Yeah, and then towards the end of the season. That drops to you know the, the final after he comes back from injury, which is probably playing a role in some of this. The final six games, sixty five percent completion percentage, and that yards per attempt jumped from d- dropped from nine to six point seven. So something something there there's a disconnect here somewhere. And, and I'm sure the injury played into uh, a role of this somehow because you, you got to get some of this dynamic as Kyler back out on the field as soon as you can. And maybe he wasn't fully healthy. Uh, but man, th- even without the injury the year before, like the same kind of stuff is happening. And I just think, Cliff, like, come on, buddy. Like, you need to be the one that figures this out because we know the quarterback's good. We know you have other good players. But for some reason, this same thing keeps happening to the Cardinals every year. So even it, it, it's even got to the point with me, if the Cardinals come out and start off super hot, I'm like, I'm, I feel like I need to do the, the Stu Goss thing of do it again. Do it in week nine. Do it in week 10. Do it in week, week, week nine. Do it in, yeah, not do even it do it in the nine. playoffs. Literally just do it in November, guys. Um, well, maybe this is what they need, actually, to start without Hop and then get him back. That's And then so they'll get the boost. And this, I don't know. Um, this defense has the same issue I think a lot of the defense we've talked about has, which is it's really dependent on young players getting better because they weren't able to make a lot of additions, both in you know the draft or free agency, that are pretty significant. Um, you lose Chandler Jones, so you're counting on uh, like Marcus Golden, who was actually their sack leader, by the way. One of those perpetually underrated NFL players. Uh, and then guys like Dennis Gardeck, who's been decent in the past. Zach Allen's okay, rushing the passer. You need them to help J.J. Watt. And then they drafted my J. Sanders and Cam Thomas. Uh, corner or linebacker, I think Zayman Collins is... So Jordan Hicks is gone to Minnesota, which we didn't mention. Zayman Collins is now uh, inside. Really need him to take a step forward. You need Isaiah Simmons to fulfill the promise. You need guys like Byron Murphy Jr., Marco Wilson. They brought in Jeff Gladney from Minnesota. All of these players need to take a step forward um, if they want any chance of being better than they were last year. Yeah, yeah. So, Godspeed, Cliff. I'm 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 still putting this on Cliff because 
I, I, I just expect more out of Cliff, too. I, I think he's a good coach. I don't know why this keeps happening to him. I don't know why this keeps happening to this team. Just get across the finish line. You can do it. You got the talent. There's, like, there's no reason for them to look as bad as they did in the playoff game last year. I'm putting, I'm dividing the blame pie between Cliff and Steve Kime because this roster just really lacks depth, man. And some of these Steve picks, Kime, like the back to back off ball linebacker, I mean, I just, I don't know. Should have drafted yeah, him. I mean, I, it's, it's amazing he's still employed, honestly, <laughs> for a lot of reasons. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, Arizona Cardinals fans, uh, I think we've established that we are Kyler enthusiasts. We will fight the Kyler haters. We are Cliff skeptics and we are kime naysayers feels about right all right as always we wrap with dinks and dunks five questions four for my illustrious guest one from lenny another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now it's time for dinks and dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Okay, Charles. Question number one. Nobody knows who the hell is calling plays to the New England Patriots. At a recent practice during OTAs, they had a mixture of Matt Patricia, who's kind of working at the O-line, Joe Judge, who's working with the quarterbacks. Um, There's whispers of Brian Hoyer being involved. (laughs) Do you feel that this is all a ruse, or do you think there's like a legitimate competition going on? I I feel like it has to be a competition. Like, who else is... Who I I don't know, man. I would not want any of those guys to be calling plays. I would let Mac Jones call plays before I let those three guys call plays. I mean, I, the the funniest thing, yes, I think it was yesterday. Mac Jones was talking about working with Joe Judge, and he was like, "Yeah, we're figuring it out together." I'm sure you are, Mac. I'm sure you are. When does Joe Judge coach quarterbacks? So like called off into plays. It's, it's or Matt Patricia. Like it's really it's really weird that like they've decided to go. This route, maybe this is Bill like doing his buddies a solid and saying, here's more things in your resume. So when I retire, you have more job options. But I find it very baffling that they have decided to do this. And I guess if you're going to just throw all these guys in the pit, you might as well just make them compete for it. Why not? Throw them in the pit. I mean, I, the only way, the, the only reason I think it might be a ruse is it's because the New England Patriots, yes. But like they did this with their defensive coordinator for years, right? Like they would never just say, Oh, is it Brian Flores? Is it Steve Belichick? Is it, is it Dramay? Like, they were always so weird about it. And, but I don't know what the hell's going on there. I, I, I when, it, when it comes to the Patriots, I always lean subterfuge. Um, but that might be a mistake in this case. All right. Question number two. Who wins the NFC East? Um, I think I'm still going to grow with the, the Cowboys. Uh, Tough. I don't know. I, I'm still a huge Dak fan. One year, another year removed from that awful leg injury i i kind of expect them to have a uh a pretty strong season but i do think the eagles are coming like they're they're it's between those two to me um and with that it just comes down i trust dak prescott when jalen hurts yeah i think that's like this question because i think pretty much everyone has the eagles and the cowboys is really just like roster versus quarterback right like the eagles have a better roster now 
the Cowboys have the best quarterback in the division when he plays like he did at the beginning of last season when he was a legitimate MVP candidate. Of course, he had the high the ankle injury. Um, I think we're going to like see pretty quickly what kind of Dak we're getting this season. And if he looks like he did last year at the beginning, I would roll with the Cowboys. But if not, I don't think this roster, the Cowboys roster is good enough. Question number three. Okay, So it was reported yesterday that Baker Mayfield did not go to OTAs. Very unsurprising, given the fact that like there's so much bad blood between his the team. He's clearly not going to play another down as a Cleveland Brown. Um, you know, if, if Watson is suspended, it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. Um, what do you think of my idea or my take? I want to run a take by you. That's potentially, potentially a bad take. Okay, I think you should go and just make everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, okay, I would say not yet. Not yet. Let, let's okay, wait. Off okay, wait. OTAs. All right. Let's let's talk about this. Yeah. When training camp week one. Yeah. Because I'm, Roll up. as I'm sure as I'm sure you're aware, and I don't know if your listeners are, but basically the most recent CBA nuked holdouts. Uh, every day you're not there. It's a fifty thousand dollar fine every single day. Uh, so <laughs> the, the Browns have basically they've started the clock. Uh, there's about two months until training camp starts. You got eight weeks to figure out this Baker thing because the way that the rules are now, he absolutely has to show up on the first day of training camp. Because if you owe him $18 million, why would he start chipping that off to do you guys a favor of not having him around? Uh, This is the bed you make when you trade for the nasty man without making sure you have the Baker problem figured out first uh and honestly i hope he i hope that they are so steadfast and holding on to him for either one a watchman suspension to see how long that goes along and look it, i mean if he's suspended for what i don't know a, a lengthy amount of time would you rather have baker mayfield or jacoby Brissett? he's not playing game? dude come on he's not playing like there's they they, they signed jacoby Brissett knowing they're not gonna play they did they did okay but I, okay but they've been they haven't cut him yet I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I no saw, one's traded for him. Yet. I saw a report no that like uh, the Seahawks are engaged with. Ta- are there's some back and forth, but the Browns want more buddies. Well, Who's no one's gonna this point. Him? Like, what are you? Like, come on, right? So at some point, you have you in the next eight weeks, they absolutely have to bite the bullet, hmm. or else Baker's gonna show up day one on training camp and. It's going to be a disaster. It's going to be a mess. Uh, because like I said, you'd, you'd have to be some kind of crazy person to just start chipping away $50,000 a day from some people that already owe you $18 million. Not a chance. So they got eighteen eight weeks to figure this out, get Baker out of there, or else they're going to have like a serious, serious problem on their hand when training camp starts. Because you know he's not he's going to be running his mouth all day long. The whole thing is wild. I just think, yeah, like show up, maybe like in uniform. <laughs> yeah, because I, I feel like there's like the there's the value part of it. Like, what would we like to get back from Baker for Baker Mayfield in trade, which is gone like that, that whatever they thought they were going to get. Yeah, that ain't, ain't, happen, ain't happening. It ain't happening. And then, but then there's also like the human element of this. Is this really the firecracker that we want coming back right now when we all know that he's pissed off? It, 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 right. It's just like, kind of weird to this me. This is not Matt if, Ryan getting, like, hanging around in, in right. Atlanta. This is a very different kind of human. Very different kind of human being. Uh, I, I, and I, to me, it's it's kind of weird that 
I, I'm not sure that they 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 grasp that fully. Mm-hmm. Like it, it at some point, like the real life value of him not being around. I think we've surpassed what like the draft pick value you would receive in return. Mm-hmm. Okay, question four. We talked about your new podcast, The Exemplist. Reminder, everybody go check it out. Aside from me or Lenny, who is your dream guest? Oh, my dream guest. Man, uh, I mean, I would love to interview Michael Vick. He was my first favorite football player ever. Uh, and I think if he was willing to sit down and just be like, hey, let's talk about everything for a little bit, that'd be kind of cool because I got, I know that story like the back of my hand. I remember – when they picked Matt Ryan in 2008, I almost started crying because I was like, wait, 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 wait what happened to my man? Like, I know he's in prison, but I thought he was going to be right back. I, I wanted them to pick Darren McFadden, number three overall. So when Michael Vick came back, you could have that little combo going on. But obviously, they made the right decision. Uh, but Michael Vick, that will be my dream interview just because he's basically the reason why I love football. That's a good answer. All right. As always, last question comes from Lenny. Oh, boy. This is actually more of a directive than a question. Um, Lenny wants you, the listeners, everybody who listens to the show, thousands of people, to know that Charles McDonald, longtime Falcons fan, is turning 28 years old on Thursday. And he wants you all to wish him a happy 28th birthday and note that that lead is insurmountable. Just don't send the Julio gift because that's where I lose it. It, it. It's too painful. It's too painful. The okay. throw and the catch, looking back now, it's too painful. Revising, so let's leave that out of it. Revising the request. He wants you to say happy 28th birthday and find a picture of Julian Edelman making that catch. <laughs> 